Hey everybody, it's the Rusilla Show podcast, and my name is Ryan Rusilla, which makes a lot of sense because it's my podcast. Uh, I'm in a good mood today because I've already been in LA all morning, did Jalen and Jacoby, so by the time this releases, Jalen and Jacoby will be on the air, but I had a lot of fun with Jacoby doing that stuff. We got Windhorst, who's going to join us. By the time this releases, we don't really know what's going to happen with Jimmy Butler. I have some NFL stuff that I want to get to, um, and Nike is down at the open of this, and it means literally nothing. Just like it meant nothing when it was down when the Kaepernick thing was announced or because it's been up for the past couple weeks beating earnings. The stock has been on an absolute tear at $85 a share at its peak, up from $50 a share almost exactly a year ago. But yes, it's all because of Kaepernick. And it's like, wait a minute, Priscilla, what are you doing? Are you anti-Kaepernick? I thought you kind of understood some things and are really cool and like Jay Rue the Damager. No, no, I, I, you know, the Kaepernick thing offends me less. I think he should have a job, but I also think some of it's on him. And yet, at the same time, the stock conversation has absolutely driven me crazy because it's two agendas selling their agenda without ever trying to pay attention to what actually may be in play here and that most people don't even know what the hell's going on with the stock market and that's why wolf of wall street in the mm, mm, that whole deal when he says none of us really know what's going on it's a fugazi all right mcconaughey shout out austin texas so i want to start with the butler stuff in a way because i was pumped to even talk some nba Jimmy Butler, I was very pro Jimmy Butler for a really long time. Uh, yes, of the picks that you get right and the picks you get wrong, I always thought he was an awesome pick. I never quite understood why he was going to go at the end of the first round with Chicago. I went on in Chicago when he was picked, and I said, you know what? The more I watch, the more I love this dude. And even then, it took a little time for him to be the star that he became in Chicago. And you know, going back over the Chicago years, I was definitely a Butler guy, uh, especially because of the Rose stuff, where you know I understood where Derrick Rose was coming from. He was somebody that thought it was his team. It's his city. He had the huge shoe deal. He was incredible. Youngest MVP in the history of the league. I have a friend that brings that up every time we talk about Derrick Rose as if it matters now. But Derrick Rose, I mean, it was awesome. It was his city. And then he gets hurt a million times. And then, you know, I don't know that Derrick had the maturity to deal with a lot of that stuff. And part of it, too, is just not having the same explosion. And when he came back, Jimmy was the best player on a team. And Derrick didn't want to concede that. And I understand that. Even to me, from a basketball standpoint, you go... Look, man, this is Jimmy's team. And what they would do is they'd have these back-and-forth dueling possessions. I mean, it was so obvious when you'd watch it is that Jimmy hit a couple shots, and then Derek's like, all right, well, I need to take some shots. And it was a disaster. It wasn't working out, right? So they had to move on. So they end up moving on from Derek Rose. And, you know, I'm still very much on Jimmy Butler's side, even though you're hearing all these rumblings that he's difficult, that people don't get along with him. And... You know, I'd heard stories about how the Chicago Bulls, and I even said this, I think back on Mike and Mike a long time ago, about how the Bulls had offered him a contract before the rookie extension, where he's like, look, I want, I think it was 70 million max back then before the cap went up. By the way, I love going back over these contracts, and I just, no one, people that listen to the podcast or have heard me on the radio show make the cap goes up joke a million times now, so everybody's kind of on it, and I think I get one, the cap goes up reference a day on Twitter, which I love. Because it just means everybody's into it or, you know, the people that get it, get it, right? And anytime somebody references a contract now from that, from that time period, 2016, and almost every person on the Heat roster that we'll get to here in a second. But, uh, I'll be like, no, 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 that was a good contract. That was a good contract then. So somebody will say, oh, this Tara, I can't believe they signed, you know, this guy to this contract. And now I'm doing the thing everybody was doing then. Be like, no, 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 the cap. The cap goes up. There are no bad contracts. And I was always arguing back then, no, no, there's going to be deals that suck. You can't just say the cap goes up for everybody 
and like as if no one understands it. And now I'm kind of doing the whole routine over, long-winded and getting away from the Jimmy Butler meat on the bone conversation that I need to have. So, yes, if you see me now say, actually, no, the cap went up, meaning that's not a bad contract. It's me making fun of the fact that nobody thought any contracts were bad that were being signed a couple years ago. So Butler was, you know, I talked about it before, it was this thing where I think the Bulls even threatened, you know, it depends on who you believe, they would deny it, but that they had threatened Jimmy that they weren't going to play him as much and that he might want to take that extension before the season gets started, and he got really pissed off about that. So I had two pieces of information. One was the game I was watching in my eyes, and the other was these these rumblings that I'd heard about how the Bulls were handling this thing. And every negotiation is not exactly... You know, unless you're just a super special person or it's a Carl Anthony Towns thing where it's just, hey, here's the 180, 190 million or whatever ended up. Yeah, I think it's 180, something like that for Towns where, um, you just know. I mean, there's max guys that just get the max deal. Like they asked me on the jump on Monday and they said, what does this Towns deal mean for the future of the Wolves and now Butler? I said, well, you know, it doesn't really mean anything because this was the deal that Carl Anthony Towns is going to get no matter what, even if it's a little different that he did a shorter well he didn't do a shorter deal he did a non-player option on the last one so that's um that's obviously you know a little different there and as i'm doing this i'm just double checking that's right carl anthony towns 190 for him okay so now here we are a year later and butler is a guy people are getting along with and you know i don't know what the specific reasons are here but i don't know if it's even about basketball and so we go over the course of the summer, something obviously happened for us to be here in now almost the end of September where Butler wants out or they told other teammates that Butler was going to be out and now Butler again in 12 months. So here I am, the guy that stuck up for Jimmy Butler and said, okay, maybe he's he's just abrasive. It's not that he's necessarily a bad teammate. I'm willing to believe anything now. Okay, I'm willing to believe anything at this point. And now here you are right before the season starts. And as much as I love the NBA, I'm going, my God, you guys got me doing preseason promos for this weekend. Like, I'm not ready. I'd like to see some of the meat of the conference schedule now in college football. But you go, you know, what are you going to get for him? And I've heard people say, oh, you're not going to, you know, you're going to get 85 cents, 75 cents on the dollar. I, I don't even think you're going to get that. I don't. Because as much as I still like Butler the player, okay, who is he? Is he top 10? No. Has he had a top 10 season? Yeah, I think there's one in there where he felt like that. But like to be top 10, to be in that neighborhood all the time, I think you consistently have to be there two or three years. But he's top 20, okay? And the idea that you would be trading for him, but you're also trading for a $190 million bill with his extension that he would be eligible for, um, because of his his qualifications for the league. So if I'm another team, I don't think I want to pay. Like, I would start this if I were in a front office and go, hey, Jimmy would be willing to be coming here. And, it, you know, pick any imaginary team you want. You go, all right, well, we're dealing with a position of strength because the owner of the team is telling everybody, no, no, no we're trading Jimmy, okay? And I feel like other players on the team have been told that Butler's out. And so... <sighs> You'd, you'd first have to answer this question. As tough as it is to get these kinds of players, are we worried about Jimmy's age, the wear and tear that in 34 or 35 years old, we're going to be paying Jimmy Butler $43 million a year? Are we all okay with that? Do we think enough of him, even if we get four, you know, good years out of this, do we think that he is worth that to our franchise? Cause that's a staggering number, even with the cap going up in the future, but not the cap spike that we just saw. Uh, I would probably lean no on that one. 
I would. Now, if I were a franchise that hasn't, you know, I always use Phoenix as this example. You know, would Josh Jackson be enough? Because you're not trading Booker, and that's the other frustrating thing. Is like, wait a minute, we get to keep our good players. We keep our best two, and we add him to make our third. If you're Ryan McDonough, if you're Sarver, if you're Phoenix, and it's been awful for a really long time, and you know, even if you loved the DeAndre Ayton Booker pairing, and you feel like Jackson really came along, and his numbers at the end of last year are pretty good, do you go, hey? It's a stupid contract. It's not something I would want to do, but we've been stale here for a really long time. So let's add a guy. And by the way, that's exactly what you thought you were doing when you were trading the seventh pick in marketing, Chris Dunn, a fifth pick, and Levine, who's probably the best asset out of the group, even though you had to end up paying Levine, and maybe marketing ends up being the best asset out of that group. And at the time, people thought the Bulls lost that trade. People made fun of the Bulls, being like, that's the best you could do for Jimmy Butler. But you were doing that as Minnesota going, we have Towns, we have Wiggins, and now we feel like we're adding this third piece. That team should, on paper, make the playoffs. I don't care how good the West is. It should, and it just it just missed it. So I don't have a problem, even though I'd have a problem with a contract, if I were GM in a more specific situation where you just haven't had anything to really feel good about, then I could see you doing it. But you're not going to get a marketing done Levine deal out of this. You'd be lucky to get one of those pieces. And that's, I think, what you'd have to do here. And I'm I'm talking as Taylor, the owner, and not even Tibbs. If Tibbs and Layden as GM, president and GM, and this power structure of the coach and a GM, and also a coach who I don't know how long he is for Minnesota. And, of course, Tibbs, selfishly, as we probably all would, go, well, I'd rather keep Butler on the team now, and then we'll see what happens. Well, of course you would. Because you think this team's good enough to make it to the playoffs. And if you say, hey, well, look, I'm, you know, I'm going to lose my job. We just made it to the playoffs. You guys hadn't been like, look at me, you know, mission accomplished. Well, if I'm the owner, I, I can't, I can't let you make the Jimmy Butler decision in a one year window. I can't let you do that. Even if I know that this is really weird. The season's about to start. Everybody knows he's available. You know that the ownership and its own front office are at odds. And he's an older, not super old, but an older player who's going to have like mellow type years at the back end of the contract that you may want to buy him out of. So this is, as these deals are, they're always complicated when it's kind of the disgruntled star, but this feels like the disgruntled franchise with the player that, I, you know, I don't really know specifically how it went wrong and something tells me something's really weird that we're in late September and this is how it's going down. And it is eerie, eerily similar to the Kyrie Irving thing that you go, wait a minute, how did this happen in August? And I was wrong in the beginning because I thought, wait a minute, why would Kyrie, like, why would he do this now? You got to do this in July. But then as we all learned after the fact that, you know, it was Kyrie finding out that LeBron had okayed him being traded out of there. And then when you hear that part, you go, you know, as much over the years as I haven't loved the Kyrie interviews and I've probably sided with LeBron on more stuff, that was one where I was like, okay, well, I can kind of understand where Kyrie's coming from on that one. So if it were Miami, because that's what everybody seems to be thinking more of now. And, you know, again, who knows with these podcasts, by the time this comes out, something could be completely different. I don't think the Knicks had a ton of interest. The Clippers may be like, hey, we're good. I, you know, as I've always warned people, sometimes it's really like, don't get so cute that you don't want to trade Jerome Robinson for Jimmy Butler because you'd use the free agent money. Or you may say, hey, we want to sign him as a free agent because we don't want to give him that full 190 on the deal. Or the Miami rumor that everybody talks about and that they would take on Gorgie Jang's 40 plus million, which is a lot of money for a guy that's not really in their, their plans. 
you know, he's a nice player. He's all right. But he was older, too. He's kind of like that Taj Gibson type. When he, I, Let me double check that as I look at some of these awful Heat contracts. But the rumor going around was that the Heat would kick in because the Heat are looking at it like we don't have the cap space. And no kidding, they don't have the cap space. I mean, the Heat roster of contracts. So if you do... Um, you know, I don't, I don't like the way this contract thing is coming up here. So let me, let me reorganize this whole thing because I'm stalling here a bit as I'm searching here. Uh, the heat, <laughs> these contracts suck so bad. Like, what were these guys doing? There's, there has to come a time where you go, hey, you know what? Do we want to give Tyler Johnson this much money on the books? We don't. Yeah, I don't think we do either. So let's not do that. Um, Hassan Whiteside's 51 million. He's a player option at 27 next year. He's, I'm going to go ahead and break this news now. Hassan Whiteside will not be opting out of next year's $27 million owed to him. So you get Whiteside at 51 the next two years. Tyler Johnson at 40. That's a player option. He's not going to be opting out of that at 19. And Dragic, that's actually not terrible to have him under 40 for the next two years. James Johnson got 60 million. Uh, the last year of that one, Three years from now is a team option, luckily, so he got $45 million. Dion Waiters, a.k.a. Fat Dion Waiters, who, you know, look, if I'm going to get yelled at for, well, I don't, I don't think I body shame a ton. I probably body shame myself more than anyone else. But, you know, look, let's be consistent here, everybody. Don't be screaming about body shaming articles on Cosmo and then also send out a Fat Dion Waiters tweet, all right? Because I think some of you guys are being a little hypocritical there. With the social awareness, Kelly Olynyk, he's owed, God, he's owed forty million over the next three years. Um, Josh Richardson's owed. Actually, I actually kind of like Josh Richardson, but he's still he's paid through two thousand twenty two at almost ten million a pop. Um, and I think there's one other contract. Yeah, all these contracts are. So the, the point would be that they would send out Hassan Whiteside if they were going to do it, but they would take on Jang. And the whole point would be to go ahead and get Butler. And I don't know if that means that they would give Butler all of that cash. Uh, so we got Brian Windhorst, who may contradict everything I just said, but he's uh, more plugged in on this than I am. So let's uh, let's dial him up. Before we talk to Brian Windhorst, I want to talk about the guys at Hotel Tonight. You know that I've used this app now for years. I've had it on my phone going all the way back to SVP and Rosillo days. That's how long that they've been with us as a sponsor, so we always appreciate that. It's really easy. Here's the deal. Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get an incredible rate. It's your one-stop shop for booking hotels. It helps you discover cool, kind of top-rated boutique hotels at incredible values. And that's what's always kind of great for me is that if you're on the move and it's last minute, but you want to try something different you know sometimes it's just great to get that hotel experience and there's places that i've gone to through hotel tonight that i've never would have gone through before you can even book in advance so that's a newer thing that they've done where it's not just night of which was great savings but now as you start to build up and the perks we'll get to all that stuff in a bit here but you're able to actually go you know what i got a month out let me see where the rates are oh i like where this is at right now you go ahead and book the whole thing so the planners out there it's not just for guys last minute dudes like myself it's great whether you're planning things or plan it, plan it by year. Perfect for weekend getaways, three-day weekends, staycations, road trips, business trips, and there's no long, endless list of a zillion hotel choices. You type in the city, and then it just brings up all the cool hotels. Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals, the best hotels 
unlike other travel companies, you don't have to scroll through all the stuff. Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals at hotels you actually want to stay at. And that's the other deals that they've always been really cool spots. Short profiles on each hotel with all the info to be like hip, classic, all these different things. Um, you got pictures of all the rooms. You're gonna, you're not gonna be any surprises this whole deal. Hotel Tonight HT Perks program where you actually save more the more you stay. So like whenever I bump up, it'd be like, you're a level 16. We're not talking about World of Warcraft here. We're talking hotels. Um, just make sure that you get the app for Hotel Tonight. Again, Hotel Tonight. You can check it out online, but use the app and put it on your phone. And next thing you know, you're going to be going, oh, I'm stuck or I got to stop a road trip or I'm visiting somebody and it's last minute. Hotel Tonight is going to solve your problem unlike any other travel site you've ever used. So I just went through an entire rip of, of kind of the problems. So I don't know how much we'll double up here or maybe how much you contradict some of my thoughts. But where do you think it stands as of today with the pursuit of Jimmy Butler, where the T-Wolves are? Well, this is a complicated one. Um, you know, okay, we've seen many times star players ask to be traded. We just saw Kawhi Leonard do it. Um, saw Kyrie Irving a year ago. Uh, Paul George did it, you know, a little over a year ago. Um, and each time they tend to say, hey, this is where I want to go. And a lot of times it doesn't work out. You know, none of those three guys I just mentioned landed on a team on their quote-unquote list. Although I think Kyrie hit the jackpot, even though the Celtics weren't, I don't think, on his initial list. Um, so just because Jimmy Butler wants something doesn't mean that he's going to get it, but he is going to get traded, um, I believe. And the the thing that makes this um, a little bit more complicated is certainly the Cavs, uh, Pacers, and um, and Spurs all were successful teams that wanted um, to you know maintain you know their competitiveness. They weren't looking to rebuild, so it's actually kind of similar. The difference is. That you know, Butler is a, a you know he's not a no-brainer max five-year player to me. Um, you know, you know Kyrie is a max player. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is a max player. Paul George got several max offers. Jimmy Butler is 30 years old. Jimmy Butler has played a lot of games for Tibbs, which ages players. They can you can say however you want, but that's just true. And you know, I don't know if you want to be committing to paying Jimmy Butler. 45 or 47 million dollars or whatever the the fifth year of the max is when he's 35 and so some of these teams that are on his list or that have interest in trading for him are like wait a minute i'd rather have him at four years at less money and not trade assets for him and meanwhile tom thibodeau is under the pressure that he's got to replace him with a guy who's going to help him win now and so the, the formula to find a deal makes this difficult and even though miami makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels because the only way that Miami can really get involved in free agency next year is through trade, either it's now or later, um, and that that incentivizes them to to go somewhere with Butler that other teams may not. You know, you still have to make a deal with Miami that's satisfactory, and that's why this stuff takes time. The Kawhi Leonard thing took a month, you know, weeks. I don't remember how long it was. Ky- Kyrie took six weeks. Uh, Paul George took a month. This is not something that can be executed, and those were all in the off season. Um, uh, th- this is not something that can be executed quickly, and I think that's what we're finding. All right, so there's a, there's a million things that I, w- I want to follow up on. Hopefully I'll remember them all. But you just mentioned the Kyrie thing, and I remember last year you're going, wait a minute, how did, wait a minute, we're almost, we're almost through August. It was August 23rd when the deal happened, and that was weird for our kind of programmed NBA timeline. Like that's when we're all supposed to relax, folks. You can't, you can't be doing this kind of stuff. And we're here with this Jimmy thing a month later, and we find out, 
after the fact that the Kyrie stuff was more related about LeBron's maneuverings and how that roster was going to go down. David Griffin has talked at length now about that uh, in certain forums that basically, you know, Kyrie was like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not sticking around for this. And that's why it happened later. Why is the Jimmy thing happening even a month after that, do you think? Well, Kyrie asked for the trade essentially early July. So it did happen sort of in trade season. So it just took the Cavs a while. To, you know, Kyrie, you know. But I, I guess I when it came I, out, it, it still, I guess they did a really good job then because, um, yes, it, because it, it didn't came come out. out. It came right. out for two, it came out two weeks later. I, I had the story two weeks later and I was upset that it took two weeks at that point, but uh, at least it was in <laughs> trade season. So from what I understand on Jimmy Butler and look, I don't have the whole story. Um, and, you know, his agent, you know, when this is all over, you know, may, contradict this but from what i understand you know this summer jimmy butler was offered uh the max that the that the wolves can offer him which was a four-year hundred million dollar extension he turned that down and and i would have turned it down too because with with what the cap space situation is in the league next year even if jimmy butler doesn't have a great year this year he's going to be offered a max contract so i would have turned that down too it's the same reason that kyrie turned it's down the same kyrie thing year. exactly yes. right right exactly. um so that i get but apparently what i've been told is is that at some point in the summer and I, and i don't know if it was in may or if it was in july i wish i had the full story but at some point in the summer um his agent went to the to the uh to the wolves and said i appreciate this 100 million dollar offer but what we really would like is for you to sign Jimmy to a five-year uh, offer right now. And the only way to do that would have been to clear salary cap space and do a, a renegotiation and extend. We've seen a handful of these in the last five or six years where if a team has cap space, last year a classic example was Robert Covington. Um, the, um, the Sixers used some cap space to give Covington a contract in the middle of the season, and they actually were able to front load it. I won't bore you with all that. But you can actually raise a player's salary um, in the middle of a year or even when he's under contract only if you have space. Yeah, well, to we'll, get to the floor almost. Well, right. Well, the, Philly, right. Philly hadn't used it on other players. You know, right. they they struck out in free agency. They ended up giving JJ uh, Redick a huge one year deal, and they just you know it, it was an artful use of space. But the but the Wolves, I thought at the top of my head, I think they're like fifteen or eighteen million dollars over the cap. So to to create that kind of space to get under to boost Jimmy up into that, it would have taken a massive trade. They essentially probably would have had to have traded. Uh, Gorgie Jang and maybe even Andrew Wiggins. I don't want to. I don't have their cap sheet in front of me, but it would have taken a huge salary dump. They're at one nineteen. So yeah, yeah. Because remember, not just to get back to the cap, but to get back to the space that you would need. You know, they basically would have had to have traded Gorgie Jang or Andrew Wiggins into someone else's space somewhere else. And clearly, the Wolves were not going to do that. And you know, I don't know. You know, I don't know what the pie chart is, Ryan. I mean, was that a thirty-seven percent reason that Jimmy demanded the trade? Was it a fifteen percent reason? I don't know. But I know that that was something that they asked for. And when they didn't, you know, see the Wolves create the space to sign the to sign the five-year extension now, um, that was a, a precipitating factor in asking for the trade. And um, I, I think one of the things that They've been tr- they've tried to make clear, and, and again, I, I can't swear to it in court, but I, I think what what Jimmy and his side wants to make clear that he he didn't demand a trade because he doesn't like Carl Towns. He didn't he demanded a trade because he wants this max money, and so 
I don't know what the truth is. I'm saying it again just to protect myself from the aggregators. Um, but that's that's a factor in this whole thing. But in a in a way, Ryan, I mean, clearly the Wolves were not going to be able to do that. Clearly, your bet it was there's no way they were going to rip the team apart to extend you. And and so it shouldn't have been a surprise to Jimmy that they got to September and didn't do that. Yeah, that seems really. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't love, and I've talked about this a lot with football, where I feel like so many people have turned into just, hey, get yours, hey, it's about you, get your money, and you're like, well, there's, there's a line that you eventually could cross, and if that was the only reason, and I think you're protecting yourself in, in a smart way because we're not sure, right? We don't know if that's the only reason, but if that were the only reason, just on its surface, you'd say, well, that seems to be kind of. I don't know, like un- unrealistic, you know, especially if you're thinking about this year, you're about, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how the final cap numbers come in through here. I mean, they're, they're right off the pace of a top 10 salary team and you think, okay, I, I don't like the Gorgie Jane contract either, but you're going to move a rotation guy off so you can get your money a year ahead of time or at least locked in a year ahead of time. So. I don't know. I don't know if it if it is just that. If you look at Miami, though, as you bring them up, and it's important to point this out, too, because I just spent a little time before we had you making fun of their contracts. And as I've made this joke you know, numerous times, like everybody just said, oh, it doesn't matter. Just go ahead and sign everybody. Their contracts are terrible. They, I don't think everybody would know this, and, and we're not ready because the season hasn't really gotten going yet. But the fact that Heat have the highest team salary in the NBA, $160 million, is a joke. And the rumors that they would do it, and I'd understand why, because they don't have the cap space, so good for Miami. But if you're Minnesota, you cannot take on Hassan Whiteside's $51 million just to get off a of Jang, and then, by the way, you're trading arguably one of your two best players. So it seems that people think this is still likely, and I don't know if it's the third team getting involved and swallowing something for some sort of asset, but on its surface, I mean, it'd be bad enough to have to trade Butler but to get me off a of Jang and bring back Whiteside, I hang. I got to hang up the phone at that point. Well, look. Okay, so obviously, whenever you start a negotiation, you want uh, you know the cream and the sugar, right? You want, uh, yeah, we want young players, draft picks, and salary relief. You know, so you say, hey, send us your best young player, which in my opinion is Josh Richardson. Uh, take our worst contract and send us a draft pick. And so, like, that's an opening. You know, line, and if you're the Heat, your opening line is here's the poo-poo platter. You know, here's guys we don't want, bad contracts, whatever. And then you sort of meet in the middle eventually. And that's why these things take time. Um, typically, situations like this, one side hangs up on the other at least once or twice. So I think part of it is we're reacting to the opening salvos uh, of a trade. Um, that we're getting some- days later, likely, too. So. Probably true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. Like, um, with where we are in media right now, we do a lot of incremental reporting, which is good for the fans because the fans want to digest this stuff. But, like, back when I, I don't mean to shake a stick at, at get off my lawn, but like back when I was first starting out in the business, we knew about a trade typically when it was almost done or when it was done. And so there was, we, we didn't, we didn't have 15 day trade analysis cycles. Um, the NBA is better off for it. People are get way more into it. But when you have incremental reporting like this, it's the nature of this is that when you hear information, you think it's actually happening live when, um, it's actually, you know, been delayed. And I have no idea whether that's the case with Whiteside in this, but I, I will say that if I was the heat, um, Considering their cap position, as you said, and the reason that they're, they're, they're that they're that they have the highest payroll is because the balloon payment to Tyler Johnson that they signed up for is now hitting. You know, his he, he Tyler Johnson is now an I think he's eighteen million dollar player. Um, 
it all it, it jacked up there even though they didn't sign anybody in salary in the didn't really sign anybody this summer it exploded their cap because they had they had backloaded the contract um really in my mind there'd be nobody on my team that was off limits for Jimmy Butler. Now, they can say that we're not trading Bam at a bio because we love his future. We're not trading Josh Richardson. But, I mean, let's just be honest. The Wolves are sitting there looking at that, knowing that that team's locked into, you know, 43 to 47 wins at a huge number and know that Jimmy Butler can help them. And if I were the Wolves, I'd probably wait out to get the offer that I wanted to. Okay. Yeah, right. Um, I guess I'm just so anti-Hassan Whiteside that, you know, it'd be one thing if he were productive and got just well I'm not even... he's more productive than Gorgie Jang would be I just don't know if he is the kind of guy you want playing a small no. role because he'd no. come in as a backup and I'm not so sure you'd want that on your team here's the other thing about this that I, I think is overlooked not because people haven't figured it out but I just that's why I want to bring it up is that some of this is on this this year not going the way it did and and I don't know if this is a personality thing in the locker room we, we've had glimpses of it the Wiggins you know, fight his brother, Stephen Jackson, all this stuff. But are Wiggins and Towns who we want them to be as players? Uh, Wiggins is a harder. <laughs> you know, you remember uh, when when they did the deal for Wiggins, there was like this long process where Glenn Taylor like, wanted Wiggins to come meet with him, basically to come to his office and and basically, I don't know what he wanted, but he he wanted to like get him in front of him and discuss what this contract offer meant because basically they knew that he was not a max player today but that he had the potential to be a max player and so they they bit the bullet and gave it to him and he has not raised his level and if Andrew was on this call with us right now he'd probably say well they brought in Jimmy Butler and they cut down my shots and my you know my role uh you can't really get you know mad at me about that and I mean he could be right about that but what drives people crazy about Wiggins is that he has all the tools to be uh, an elite uh, uh, wing defender. He's got incredible length. He's got incredible athleticism. He should be a really good rebounder from that position, too. He doesn't rebound. He doesn't defend very well. He doesn't get steals. He doesn't show a lot of effort on that side of the court, even though they hired maybe the best defensive coach of this era. And it drives people crazy. And so Wiggins, I think is more of a conundrum. Towns um, has been everything that you'd ever want from a number one overall pick. In fact, um, it's actually a triumph for the Wolves that they signed him to the huge extension because he was an all-NBA player by his third year. Uh, certainly you can, you can um, find um, holes in his game. His defense especially is disappointing. Uh, but it's not like young players' defense being disappointing is surprising. Uh, you know, he was an all NBA player as a third year player. That is a huge success for number one overall pick. He's one of the best uh, jump shooting big men that I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, he shot the same percentage from three point range last year as Steph Curry. Now, Curry took <laughs> triple the amount of threes, but still, the, the percentage is worth paying attention to. So, um, while Towns still has growth, I feel a lot more comfortable about Towns' contract than I do about Wiggins. Yeah, I, I agree with with all that. I guess I just the small knock on Towns, and and I credit the scout for it. It was before the draft. It's one of my most trusted guys, and you know 
remember, I mean, I don't, I'm sure you remember, but there was actually sort of an in the season for college basketball debate about should it be Jalil Okafor Towns to go number one? I mean, it was, I know people can laugh about it now, but people forget like in the moment, kind of, you know, beginning of college basketball season and Jalil so polished as an offensive player. But the scout said, the one thing that worries about me with Towns, it's not end to end. When he's end to end for a big guy, he's great. He's running around there with everybody. He goes, but his lateral stuff, because there's some real stuff with him laterally that scares me a little. And I think that he consistently is this bad on defense is the thing that drives me nuts. And I think it got Butler a little annoyed. And I think he nailed the Wiggins thing. So we don't need to debate it anymore. Yeah, I, well, wanna... I, I covered that uh, draft for Minnesota. I was in Minnesota on draft during draft week. And Flip Saunders, um, may you rest in peace, told me, you know, basically they were taking uh, Towns before the draft. And he said to me, when we got this kid in this facility and worked with him, it completely we were blown away. I mean, they didn't even even debate about Okafor. Uh, no, at that point it was over. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think at that point it was over. But you're right and, before that for sure. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking like you know December, January, that right, kind of stuff. Fair. And, yeah. and remember, Towns, you know, was was in one of those Kentucky runs where Kentucky had so many dudes that all right. of those guys got lost at some point or another, especially Booker. All right. Um, cause I know you got about 10 minutes and I, I don't want to do one of those things where you get long and it's good and I screw you up. Give me your kind of, I don't know if it's the, the 10,000 foot view or however you would phrase it, but just the, the view of what you think the storylines will be timeline wise for this Lakers season to LeBron. Like, how do you think it starts, middle, ends, all the kind of good stuff in between? Well, do you agree with me that their roster is, is deeply flawed? Yeah, I don't understand. I'm so glad to talk to you because we did the jump and we kind of hit on it. I I think the LeBron thing and the excitement masks. If anybody else did this, if anybody else did this on purpose, can you like? And that's my always been my point is that I don't think LeBron expected this. I thought LeBron thought somebody else would be here. It didn't happen. I think even he is surprised. And there is no way that Magic on that night when he went to his house in L.A. to pitch him. And at that point, it was already done, and we all know that. But it was. Yeah, I'm going to go get Rondo. <laughs> I'm going to get Beasley. I'm going to get JaVale. I'm going to bring, you know, I, I don't, no one would ever have pitched this. So somehow it's like, I, again, I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And, and their whole point of we needed toughness and we needed to win a street fight with the Golden State Warriors. I, I got to imagine there's parts of LeBron when he's opening up to Maverick and, and Rich Paul going, what the hell happened this summer? Well, the tact I, he's taking uh, privately and a little bit publicly, but it's it'll come out more publicly, is that you know he made a four-year investment here, and I mean obviously I think he was hoping the team would be better, but I you know he he signed for four years because he knew that they weren't going to be great in year one. He didn't sign for one year, so um, that's the the tone you're going to hear. Um, they've got Ryan in my mind. They've got three problems, and and look. Uh, I, I was in Miami on a day-to-day basis and in Cleveland when he went to those teams, and those rosters were not perfect either. It took the Heat a year or a year and a half. They had to get Badier and Ray Allen to really get where they were going. The Cavs traded, made three major trades in the middle of the first year to get where they were going. So I'm not. It's not like uh, you know Magic and Rob have completely fallen apart here. It's 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 either you have to build a team around him. It does take some time, but they've got three problems. The first problem and the biggest problem in my mind is. The way the team is structured, they can't put all their best players on the floor at one time because um, Ingram, LeBron, and Kuzma all roughly play kind of the same type of position. 
And you're gonna if you're gonna put all three of those guys out there, you're gonna force them to be in a really bad situation defensively, one way or another. Um, and then um, so that's issue number one. And so somebody's gonna have to play center. LeBron doesn't want to do it. I know that within the Lakers, they've whispered about the possibility on certain matchups of um, of Kuzma maybe playing. Uh, I just look at the Western Conference. I look at the centers out there, and I just say on a lot of nights, you're just not going to be able to do that. Their second problem is they're two point guards. Neither of them can shoot. Now, okay, maybe if uh, if um, if, if uh, Ball, Lonzo Ball comes back and changes his, sh- his shooting motion, and he's up to you know 38, 40 percent from three point range, and you know this is a different conversation on December fifteenth. But right now, neither of them can shoot, and so what will happen late in close games? Which I sort of look at the Lakers as a team that's just good enough to lose a lot. What's going to happen in close games is you're just not going to guard those guys, um, and that's going to be a problem. You know, it, you know, Rondo's overcome that for most of his career, but this team doesn't have the talent that a lot of Rondo's teams has been on, and then. And third, and this really is, you know, this is outside their control, but it's still their reality, is that the West is so brutal. Um, you know, you, you know, last year it took 47 wins to get into the playoffs in the West. Um, and, you know, for this team to find 47 wins under those A and B scenarios, they're going to have to get a, an incredibly dominant season from LeBron, which maybe he will do. Um, but those three things are, are, are pretty big issues that they're going to have to grapple with. The four-year thing is is something, especially with LeBron saying that, you know, at media day. And, and LeBron always kind of knows what he wants to avoid and knows. Like, he'll answer questions that aren't even asked if, if he wants to just make some sort of statement. But I always felt like the four-year thing, and he brought a title to Cleveland, so I get all those things. But I had to imagine the front office is like, oh, you're going to talk about being there. I mean, you, I mean, you did one-and-ones the entire time you came back, and then you do a four-year thing. So there were... I think even that, in a way, was surprising. But strategically, yes, it does play well for him to be able to say, "Well, this wasn't just about this year." But I don't, I don't think there's any way this roster looks like this next next summer. That, I don't no, think there's I, any I, way. yeah, I mean, and look, they signed all these guys to one year deals. Yeah. Um, I mean, they know that, and uh, you know, to me, one of the things that um, we're going to end up having to track is who wants to come play with LeBron because we've already seen. Kyrie say I want out and Paul George passed and it those you know Paul George's decision wasn't as simple as play with LeBron or not but you know there was a time when I would have thought that Paul George would have found that as a no-brainer to come play with LeBron. Well wait a minute what did you you just said that it was was there more to that than maybe we didn't understand? Well to me if Paul George had taken the full five-year contract and he was like listen I could get more money here in uh, in Oklahoma City than I could get anywhere else Listen, man, you got to do what you got to do. I don't blame you. You're coming, you know, you, you broke your leg at one point. You know, you got to protect yourself. Um, you know, he had knee surgery after the season. I mean, you know, I don't know how bad that knee is. So, like, if he had taken a five year contract, I'd have been like, look, you know, but the fact that he didn't even take the full five years, that he really, you know, there, you know, there wasn't much money difference between what the Lakers could have given and Paul. Like, he had a, a reason he didn't come to LA. And you would have thought that if it was close, LeBron would have pushed it. Over the goal line, instead, you know, he never even considered the Lakers. He didn't even give them a meeting. They were, I know. you know, right. he made his decision. So, like, as you go forward here, um, you know, uh, you're like, well, that's two players, two, two of the top 15 players in the league that have said nah on LeBron. And, like, Kawhi, I don't, it's very difficult to believe, you know, it's very hard to read anything with Kawhi. Um, but, 
you know, maybe Kawhi, you know, there's been some reporting, and I'm not disputing it, but there's been some reporting that, you know, he prefers the Clippers. I mean, again, there's a beautiful spot opposite LeBron available for the Lakers to anybody who wants it. it they have enough space to sign any free agent in the league next year. Um, I'm surprised that we haven't heard more of a drumbeat for Kawhi. Um, and maybe we will. Maybe that'll happen in recent months. But so the big question to me is, I mean, the Lakers are going to get somebody. And again, Jimmy Butler, we haven't heard the, the Lakers on Jimmy Butler's list. Now, part of that is that they can't really functionally trade for him because you can't, you know, all those guys who signed contracts, they can't trade any of those guys until December 15th. So even if Jimmy Butler wanted to go to the Lakers and the Lakers wanted him, it'd be very hard to trade for him right now. But even said, we have not heard Jimmy Butler and Lakers, in, in, to my ears, one time. So I'm, what I'm wondering is, is, yeah, it's the Lakers, it's L.A. Um, L.A. has never been more popular um, in my time covering the NBA. Like when I first started covering the NBA, Ryan, the players lived in, in uh, Atlanta. They lived in or- – a lot of players lived in Orlando, uh, Miami. Now, <laughs> that seems so I mean, crazy now. I know, you're right. Obviously, it's not like L.A. just arrived on the map. Players have spent their – But you're right. You're time. right. Like, like Garnett used to be sort of this outlier because he had a place in Malibu. And we'd right. always talk about, like, oh, everybody lives out here, or everybody rents a house here in the summer. Right. It's constant. Right. So, it, so L.A. has now got so, – and not only that, um, they, you know, so many of these guys worship Kobe. These guys so, – the LeBron generation is beginning to arrive in the league. You know, guys who are young, who are LeBron fans. The Kobe generation is in full force. I mean, you talk, I mean um, Jason Tatum grew up in St. Louis. Uh, but you mentioned the words Kobe Bryant, his eyes glaze over, you know, I mean, um, and they have Kobe recruiting for them, you know, so the, the, the Lakers have an incredible amount of things going in their direction. And if I were to make a futures bet, I would totally put it on the Lakers. But I'm just saying that the end you know, if you're looking at, if you're, if you're thinking about flying a plane, you're looking at the dials, the dials are not lining up like people are rushing to the airport to get to play with LeBron right now. So it'll be interesting to see, who and how that who would be interested to come here and how that develops? Yeah, the George thing surprised uh, everybody, and it surprised the way he structured the contract and that he didn't get the meeting. That that the meeting didn't happen. That just seems so weird. But I can't wait for every NBA team that has a big free agent that they're worrying about scheduling a weird, uncomfortable party the Friday before free agency <laughs> starts, <laughs> or you know, whenever midnight. Like every team, they're going to be teams. I want to, you know, how like the big three has been totally destroyed in that term because like once you start coming up with the big three for Phoenix's young group, you're like, oh, they're big threes, eight and Booker yeah. and Jackson. You go, well, you know, maybe right, we should right. stop using big three. I can't wait to see who has a free agent party, like a pressure free agent party with the incumbent team for like the worst player. So I'm just going to be tracking that. <laughs> That's a great forward. point. Right, That's right. a great point. Like Paul yeah, George like- makes sense. And then if it's, if it's a Tyler Johnson, Miami heat party at fountain blue, like is th- is that party necessary? Although they there didn't. was a great story written um, in the Athletic this week uh, by Eric Corrine, who covers the Raptors, who was saying, "Look, we know that Kawhi may not stay, but you know they used to have parties for Rudy Gay in this town, and now they not at least they have parties, you know, like uh, you know big, you know huge splash <laughs> press conferences. At least they have them for Kawhi Leonard now. Uh, that the Raptors organization has come for, but that sort of is exactly the point. You know, is there going to be a party for you know a guy signing like a mid level contract?" <laughs> Uh, like like um, like Russ had for uh, Paul George. Perfect. All right. Before I let you go, I got to ask you one little thing here, and then you just cut it whenever you need to, because I know you got to run. But 
you know, if I ran through all those things, I, I don't know that Kawhi was ever somebody LeBron preferred, and then I can't read Kawhi thing at all, okay? The Jimmy thing, my sense is that whether it's the Lakers or it's Team LeBron, that they're sort of indifferent to it, and at this point they would wait it out instead of trying to make some sort of trade. Um, you know, the Kyrie thing, as, as you point out at the beginning of this thing, you were all over that, and that actually made me kind of sympathize with Kyrie, which I haven't done a ton because I haven't always loved all of his quotes, but then I was like, okay, well, I kind of get where he's coming from. But I do think, as we touched on a Monday, and this will be the last thing I ask you, just because Anthony Davis signed with Clutch, I mean, it, anybody with with half a brain can go, ooh, you know, he's going to go to the Lakers. I do actually think that this is more significant than just, oh, same age. Because there's been plenty of guys that have, that have had the agency, and it doesn't always work out to pair up with LeBron. I do think that Dave, it almost feels like it's Davis's turn to be the next superstar that starts demanding things. Right. Well, he's got two years left. So, you know, basically the stuff goes down when you've got one year left in the NBA, as Jimmy Butler is a 1A example of that. Um, Kyrie. It, yeah. yeah, Kyrie, although it's not, I got to say, Kyrie, he's the big winner. I mean, he doesn't, he already has a championship. So it's, there's not as much pressure on him to like deliver. And he delivered massively in getting that championship. So he doesn't need bona fides, although doing without LeBron would be something. But he hit the absolute jackpot. Because he ends up going to a team, and he could have ended up anywhere. He could have ended up in Phoenix. Not that there's anything wrong with Phoenix, but obviously their future is not what the, the Celtics is. He landed in a great organization that was set up to be successful in a place where he can be a megastar. It worked out beautifully for him. He is the absolute apex of what happens if you demand a trade. And not only that, LeBron ended up leaving. I mean, he was right. He was right to want to get out of Cleveland. Um, you know, Regardless of Kyrie's sort of bizarre nature, which is just, you know, who he is, he has to say, boy, demanding that trade was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. Um, I don't know if everybody else uh, can say that. But as far as Anthony Davis goes, um, he is in position uh, because he made the All-NBA team. And unless he suffers a major injury, he will make the All-NBA team again this year. Um, he didn't make it two years ago, which already cost him money. But he is he is coming into his prime years. Um, he is in position to get a $235 million contract extension from the, from the Pelicans next year. And I understand that not everything is about money. And, and like we may see Clay Thompson take less than the max and stuff like that and, and when he's absolutely a max player. But that is a massive, massive nugget. And that is what the, 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 what the league put in to try to hold players in place. And it hasn't done great, Ryan. No. Uh, Paul, Paul George passed on it. Kyrie, I mean, I don't know if Kyrie – was in position to be a $200 million player. He hasn't really been making all NBA teams. I don't know if he'd qualify, but uh, Paul George basically wanted out of it. Kyrie ended his chance of getting it when he demanded a trade. Um, Kawhi ended his chance of getting it when he demanded a trade. It hasn't held people in place, the chance to get that $200 uh, plus million, $230 million. So the question is, does it hold Anthony Davis in place? Um, and... I just don't know the answer, you know. If it um, doesn't, the owner's going to be like, well, look, we got super maxes we don't even want to do anymore, and yet we still can't. Con- I, I wonder, I want, and it have to be collectively bargained, but I wonder if there's some sort of weird thing that they try to propose. Because the whole super max was supposed to present, prevent all this stuff, and now that doesn't even matter. Right. And like, like one of the guys who got it was John Wall, who's, you know, now got some significant knee issues. And now you're wondering about that contract. You know, is he going to be okay through it? You know, he got it. So, um, so, you know, look, whether Anthony Davis um, changed agents or not, 
uh, he was going to be coming up at a major moment in the summer of 2019, whether he signs that $200 million extension or not. Who's representing him doesn't change the, uh, what was, was in front of him. But I do think because he changed agents, it indicates that he's trying to change his focus at this part of his career. And whenever you hear change, when you're the incumbent team, let's just be honest, it's worrisome. You're the best. Thank you, man. Thanks, Ryan. Have a good day. Also, want to let you know the podcast is brought to you by the folks at J.C. Penny. Guys, J.C. Penny, you can find all the great looks there. Okay, whether in the office or on the go, raise your game with Collection by Michael Strahan, or relax and look good on the weekend with. MSX by Michael Strahan. Do you want to look like Michael Strahan this week and this weekend? We can do that for you, JCPenney. Exclusively at JCPenney. JCPenney, style and value for all. That'll do it for today's Rosillo Show podcast because Rudy needs the studio back. So yeah, Mahomes is awesome. Pat's looks pretty bad. Been through this before. Although, you know, Brady eventually is going to be 40 and look it. Um, Rams look pretty good. Everybody's pretty excited out here in LA. I also think that the Steelers had a nice little win and that Ryan Fitzpatrick looking terrible in a game, even though trying to come back from behind, uh, is pretty predictable because I did this massive Ryan Fitzpatrick thing. So, uh, that's all I have. And Tannehill's been pretty good too. Subscribe to the podcast. I'm going to share with you guys great news next week about the podcast. And yeah, so Rudy had to run to a meeting and this is what's going to happen sometimes with this pod. So I don't have any more football and I have to give the studio back up. So we went all NBA. It was an old school NBA Today Priscilla Show pod. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you guys for everything.